0: Well, so I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever looked at someone and just said to yourself, "Man, I want to." There's a part of that person I just want to be like. I just I want to become just like. Has anybody ever looked at someone like that? Just a few of you. I'm sorry for the rest of you. Don't even look at people. That's you're very self-absorbed. Maybe this sermon will help you this morning. But I know I remember growing up on a farm in in Missouri and. And uh, I would go and work for another farmer who's in our church. He's a Christian man. And um, in the summer times, I'd work for them. And I began to see in this man the most gentle, humble spirit of any person I'd ever met before or even since that time. And I looked at his life, and there's something inside of me that said, man, God, I want to be just like that. I want to be that grace giving, that humble that kind, whenever there was any conversation going on around the kitchen table or whatever, and somebody started gossiping about somebody else or talking down about somebody else, and he never said a word. Never, never chimed in and always would respond by picking out or showing something very positive about that person. And I said, that's the kind of guy I wanna be like. I think in the Bible, we have many, many examples of people that live life and you can look at their lives and go, you know what? I want to be just like that. They're characters, if you would, individuals, examples for us to model our lives after. We started a series a few weeks ago called Characters, and week one we started and talked about Abraham, and we looked at that aspect of faith that this man carried in his life that was absolutely challenging for all of us. And we all would probably go away saying, that's the kind of faith I want to have. Then Patrick did a great message on the apostle Paul, encouraging us to uh, advance the gospel uh, through truth and the power, see the power of the gospel. Great message. And then last week we talked about Leah one of the sisters, uh, the sister of Rachel, and how we learned that even though Leah was not the favorite wife of Jacob, she was definitely the most productive wife. (laughs) And we learned that many times it's the things that we don't appreciate the most that really give us the greatest reward. That it's the things that we don't really value as much like reading our scripture, praying, or or um, you know giving to the Lord, those kind of things that are hard to do, those are the things actually that give us the greatest reward. And then today we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about. Another lady in the Bible, so the ladies can be happy, we're talking about ladies. Uh, the lady whose name is Ruth. We're gonna talk about Ruth. And it's a story in the Bible, and it's after the book of Judges. It's the first book after the book of Judges in the Old Testament. And it's, it's a book that starts out with incredible loss, incredible suffering, and, and even death but it turns out totally different in the end. Just to give you a little background of how this book kind of plays out in the beginning, it started in the setting of, as I said, the judges, a period of time, and Moses had led the people out of uh, Egypt and now they were in their promised land through the leadership of Joshua. Joshua had now passed away from the scene and gradually over time, as it seems how life is, People went from this incredible love for God, this nation with incredible passion for God, into more of an idolatrous type of a nation. A nation that began to forget the ways of Joshua and Moses and begin to live unto themselves and whatever made them satisfied or gratified their lusts, that's what they began to want and desire. And, And then God would raise up judges, people, individuals from time to time who would step into the scene and call the people back to repentance, back to a reminding, uh, a remembrance of the things that had gone on before, of how God had supernaturally birthed this incredible nation. I believe it's time. I believe it's time for this nation that we love to have that same kind of voice spoken into. it. Can you say amen to that? I believe it's time that we remember where we came from. Come on. And we don't forget the former things. But we call them out as though they are, and so so judges would come up, some that you may be familiar with, like Gideon or Deborah or um, uh, others um, like um, Samson would be another one that I think would resonate in your heart. These were judges that would speak the voice of God and rally the people back to the Lord. And so whenever there was this, um, this falling away, God to shake them and to get their attention would allow his hand of blessing to come off of them. Some people would say the judgment of God. I wouldn't call it the judgment of God. I would just say the consequences that come from the result of doing what you want to do. And so God would say, okay, if this is the way you want to live, I'm taking my hand of blessing off of you. And suddenly they would find themselves in a mess. Many times even a famine would come into the land. And it's in this setting that we find the book of Ruth where there had peer, appears to be a, 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 a removal of the hand of God uh, to shake them up and to bring them back into an awareness and a calling unto their former love for the Lord. And it's in this setting that the book of Ruth is written in, And so there's a famine in the land, and Elimelech lives in Bethlehem with his wife Naomi and his two children, Mahon and Kilion, and and two boys, and and he says he makes a very bad decision. He decides that he's going to try to escape the shaking that God had allowed into the country and go to another country where there wasn't a famine. Let me just say this as a point of... Interest. I re, my, I would rather be under the, the 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 position where God had put me, even though it's tough and it's hard at the moment, to, than to be under the blessing of or the, seemingly the resources or the goodness of of a worldly life. I, he went for the world. He went to Moab. Moab was an enemy of the nation of Israel. He took his family there and said, "Well, we're just going to escape the famine." And it was there that a series of Unfortunate things began to happen. Not only was it um, a move to another culture into now being absorbed into a nation where they didn't even love God or know God or want God, Elimelech, the leader of the family, himself would pass away, he would die. Gileon and Mehon, the sons of Elimelech and Naomi, they would end up marrying two Moabite women. Orpah was one, Ruth was the other. And in time, the two sons would eventually die. And now Naomi is left in this foreign country by herself, no husband, no sons, and two daughters, daughter-in-laws from another country that she wasn't even familiar with. And this is how the book of Ruth opens up. And so we find Naomi makes a decision, a smart decision. I'm going to return to Bethlehem, I'm going, Bethlehem is an interesting word because it means the house of bread. Let me say it again, Bethlehem is a representative or a symbol of the body of Christ, of the church. It's a place where you're fed, it's a place where you receive nourishment. She says, I'm gonna go back to church. I'm gonna to go to the place, back to the place I left. And let me just say this, if you feel like you're in a place of life, for those who are watching online and those watching from the county jail, we're so glad to have you. Give them a good hand when you do that this morning. So glad to have you this morning. So glad you're watching. Can I just say this? If you've ever wandered away from the Lord and you found yourself in a wilderness in a desert, the best way to find yourself back is to go back to the place where you were when you left to begin with. Come on, you gotta go back to the place. It may have been a, you may have left because it was tough at the time, but you were still under the and under the watchful care of God's eye. When you come out from underneath the watchful care of God's eye, you're gonna, you're gonna get into a mess. You may think it looks good at the moment. You may say, well, there's not a famine over. They're, they're having a good time and having a good party. I'm gonna join the party, but pretty soon you're gonna experience death all around your life. I'm talking to somebody this morning. You gotta go back where you started. And so this is where the story really gets interesting because Naomi returns, but she returns a different person than she was. Naomi's name, interesting enough, means pleasant or joyful. She left pleasant and joyful. She left a person that was full of laughter and was a joy to be around. But when she comes back, she is not the same as she was when she had left. In fact, all of her friends and relatives saw her, welcomed her back and said, Naomi, Naomi, you're back. Oh, we're so glad to see you. And she says, like with rudeness, almost like with with almost hatred, don't call me Naomi. I'm not joyful, and I'm not pleasant. <laughs> Have you ever been somebody, somebody like that? You, you meet an old friend, and then suddenly they've changed, they've become like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, is that what it is? And suddenly she has changed, and she says out of her own mouth, she says, I am Mara. Mara means bitter, I am bitter. And I am angry and I am upset and I am the farthest thing from being joyful and pleasant. I'm not the lady you thought I was when I left. Uh, And don't you ask me over to your party to have a little laugh or two because I'm not coming. I'm going to sit in my house uh, and I'm going to watch the soap operas uh, and I'm going to live a depressed life. Now leave me alone. (laughs) Have you ever met anybody like that? Ever married anybody like that? (laughs) Lord help you. Her life had changed. Look at this, Ruth chapter one, verse 19. Let's just go ahead and read it. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem, talking about Naomi and Ruth. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And they exclaimed, can this be Naomi? She said, don't you call me Naomi. You call me Mara, bitter. You can just say, it wasn't God's fault. All this stuff we blame, so many times we blame anything bad on God. Well, if they hadn't walked out from underneath the hand of God's blessing to begin with, it probably never would have happened. Why do we blame God so many times for things that have gone wrong when actually the problem's here? Come on. She blames God. It wasn't his fault. And Naomi, so we'll just go on. And so, so I just shared that story. So Naomi forgot that she had something valuable. See, many times you may have been in the wilderness, maybe you went out from underneath the blessing of the Lord and you experienced some hard times. But guess what? Here's the good thing about all of that because God redeems everything. Even the mistakes you've made, she comes back and she has something that she didn't have when she landed. She may not have a husband or two children, but she does have something actually in, in some ways even better than what she had before. She had... She had brought back a lady, uh, her daughter-in-law, whose name is Ruth. And Ruth is interesting because her name means the act of seeing. The act of seeing. She, She went back, she went away blinded, in a sense, led by her emotions, but she comes back picking up Ruth, and now and it's so interesting because so many times in our life we, we we walk away from the Lord, but when we come back, we have a different perspective. We have an ability to look at life as it is now and the way it was then, and we begin to see things differently. We begin to appreciate things we didn't appreciate before. You begin to value Bethlehem, the house of God, like you never valued it before. You begin to lean into to worship like you never leaned in before. You begin to treasure the moment you spend in God's presence. You begin to cherish friendships that are genuine, unlike the ones that you had out there in Moab, where everybody's plastic and run real and they'll say what you want, but they're actually deceptive all the way around. You begin to value some, you see see things a little bit different. Aren't you glad that there's always a lesson that you get and there's something you can bring back? Come on, I want you to touch your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him, I see things different now. Come on, I just see things different now. I seem a little bit different now. I got Ruth with me. And Ruth, this is really a story about Ruth, not Naomi, but we'll just take a, a closer look at Ruth. We see that Ruth's life is in a downward spiral. Ruth is the daughter-in-law, the, na- the girl coming back with, with Naomi, the young lady. Lady, and she comes back and, and her, her life is in a downward spiral itself. It wasn't like Ruth's on top of the world. She had just lost her husband. And not only had she lost her husband, she's now experiencing deep levels of grief, as was Naomi. And she's, she's now been told by her best friend, Naomi. Oh, by the way, as they're drinking a cup of coffee, Naomi says to Ruth, I'm moving, I'm leaving. You doing what? I'm leaving, I'm going back home. But what, you, can't, you can't, I mean you're all I got. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Ruth. I've enjoyed, you know, the relationship, and I'm sorry, you know, it didn't work out, but I, I'm not staying here any longer. I'm, I'm, I'm gotta, I've got to go back to Bethlehem. And, and, and now Ruth finds herself as well. Nothing's working out as she had planned. How, how many times have we worked up in our mind how things are going to be when we grow up and how it's going to be when we get older? And we just have these beautiful pictures of this, ladies, of a, of a man coming, sweeping through the room and picking us up off of the ground and carrying us off, you know, into the horizon. Our night in shining armor, we see, you know, in our mind, a beautiful little farmhouse, you know, with the kids playing on the front porch and everybody loving one another, the white picket fence around and all the family members coming around your house for Thanksgiving and Christmas and having a beautiful little meal at your house. And, 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 and how many know it doesn't always work out like that or anything like that? Long gone is the days of the white picket fence. And your husband isn't that white, that knight in white shining armor, white shining armor, white knight in the shining armor, whatever it is, a white horse in the shining armor knight, whatever. He's nothing like that. And you find yourself. Man, this is this is not working out the way I thought it was going to work out. But nevertheless, uh, she's now forced to make a decision that she wasn't thinking she would ever have to make. She's now in a spot in life where she has to do something. She can. Uh, am I going to stay where I'm comfortable? Am I going to take a venture with Naomi and go back to her country? And how am I going to survive? And where am I going to get a job if I stay here? And how am I ever going to get a job if I go there? And all these these questions rolling around, and she's watching Naomi pack her bags, and she realizes she has to make a decision. What am I going to do if I if I move away with Naomi? It's a new language, it's a new custom, it's a new people, it's a new religion, it's a new God. It's a it's a new everything. I'm not sure I can ca- handle all that. I, it looks too daunting to me. It's too big. If Naomi, come just think about it. Stay for a little while little longer. I got to work through some stuff. I don't have time. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm I am bitter i am angry i i got to go. But please. I don't know what to do. Well, you can either stay or you can go. That's the decision, make up your mind. I'm out of here, I'm catching the next bus to Bethlehem. And so Ruth has to make a decision. And she feels vulnerable. She doesn't, she's fearful. What am I gonna do? Ever been there? What am I, what am I gonna do? If I stay, I die, if I go, I die. I don't know what to do. Nothing looks good. There's not a good option in front of me. She's anxious, and she's she makes a decision. I, I, I'm... I'm, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna go. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take my chances. I'm gonna put my odds on Naomi. And I, I'm gonna follow her. and I'm gonna go to a new country. And, and so she does. And and she she travels with Naomi to a, another country. In fact, she's so committed. We'll talk about it in a minute. She's convinced that this is the right decision. I believe God somehow moved upon her life supernaturally, and she knew that she knew she was making the right decision. She goes with Naomi back into Bethlehem, and here she comes walking into the first class nation as a second class citizen. She begins to realize that she's the underdog and everything in life is going to be really hard now because she doesn't even know the language or the customs or everything's a a fresh start is all brand new. But I can, tell, can I tell you that that's the kind of situation God loves to move in. That's the kind of people God loves to raise up. Uh, if you're in a situation where you feel vulnerable and fearful and anxious, can I tell you, that's exactly where God wants you to be. Something about, powerful is about to come forth from your life. Because God always takes the the second-team player and makes him a first-team all-star. Look at Esther, look at Peter, look at Leah. God always takes the underdog. He takes the nobody and makes them into a somebody. Ask David. God takes the, 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 the foolish things and confounds the wise. Ask the fishermen that follow Jesus. God takes the down and outs and makes them the up and ends. Ask Joseph, who went from prison into the palace in a matter of an hour. I'm telling you, God takes the fearful and makes them courageous, just ask Gideon. God takes the person who's sweeping the office uh, and making it all clean and makes them the manager of the office. Uh, God takes the person who doesn't have an education and makes them the owner of the business uh, where he's managing everybody who has a PhD and a master's degree and everything else that you can hang on the wall. God loves to take the people who look like they don't have it together, a second-class rated Christian, and make them a first-class rated Christian. He does it all the time. Get it, then. He'll do it now, and he'll do it tomorrow. God was determined to show this young lady, Ruth, what his kingdom is all about. He's about to blow her socks off if she was wearing them. She wasn't because they wore sandals. Because about to introduce her to a whole new world. He was about to show her what Naomi's God was really like. He was about to show her what the kingdom of God is all about. She lived her whole life worshiping idols and living in the flesh. But God took her out of that, uh, plucked her up out of the fear and anxiety and the stress uh, and put her in a situation and says, hold on, sweetheart. Uh, I'm about to blow your mind. Uh, I'm about to show you what a great and powerful God I am. You're in the right place at the right time with the right God. Can you give God some praise for me in the house this morning? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Turn to your neighbor and tell him I'm in the right place. Come on. I'm in the right place. Woo! Should be against the law to have this much fun on a Sunday morning. But this is when it really gets interesting. It's barley harvesting season. And farmers, see back even in Israel's time, they had a a way, they had welfare. And what their welfare program look like was during the harvest season, the harvesters were not allowed to harvest around the corners of the field. That was safe for those that were down and out and had no husband or had some problems going on. And so they would leave the corners of the field alone. But here's the deal, unlike America, you still had to work for it. (laughs) You didn't sit home and watch TV on the couch eat potato chips and collect a check and a stimulus, I better stop. You had to go and get it yourself and you you had to go gather and you had to work for it. It may not have been much, but you had to work for it. And so the owners of the field here in this book, the owner of this field that Ruth finds herself harvesting in shows her kindness. I'm gonna just tell you you how the whole book unfolds and we'll come back. So the owner of the field shows her kindness. And then Naomi suggests that she gather herself together and go flirt with the owner of the field. This is the JP paragraph, paragraph paraphrase version. Go flirt with the guy. She goes and flirts with the man, they end up getting married. And then there's more to go after that. And that's the story of Ruth in about one minute. But I wanna look at this book a little bit more carefully because I believe Ruth recognizes how drastically God's hand can direct our lives if we make the right decisions. And I wanna present to you this morning, I don't believe we'll make it all the way through by any means, but I wanna present to you some plausible conclusions that we read from the book of Ruth of how to make a right decision in a wrong world. How to make a right decision in a wrong world. Number one, before I get to that, just hold yourself. I gotta ask this question. How many have ever made a bad decision in your life? If you're not raising your hand, then you, my friend, have made a bad decision. All well, made bad decisions. Bad decisions are part of life. I, I, I think back. You don't have to take. Remember the Kodak? How many remember growing up and there was a, cameras called Kodak cameras? They had the corner of the market. Kodak. So some of you, you ever heard of a Kodak? You ever, you've heard? Of, it? of course you have. Just, just, you like? It. Yeah. Indecision. Double-minded persons. Unstable in all the ways. Yes or no? <laughs> So Kodak was, in our day, in our time, Kodak ruled the market in photography and pictures and cameras and things like that. Kodak actually, in the 70s, invented what we now uh, uh, know as digital cameras. And instead of sticking with that and, and saying, let's invest in that and let's see where that takes us, they were having so much fun making all this money on film that they just threw it to the side. And guess what, Kodak didn't even exist anymore. How many know that was a bad decision? It was Xerox, believe it or not, who actually invented the modern computer. But because the company was run by businessmen and not technical dreamers, they didn't even put a patent on it. Then they didn't even see the value of it. It was Steve Jobs who came and saw, he saw what Xerox had invented and it took him only five minutes to realize this is something I can put a patent on and I can put it in everybody's house. That was a bad decision. How about the bad decision the guy made that rejected Adolf Hitler's application for art school? <laughs> that cost millions of lives. How about the, the idiot in New York who worked at the New York Yankees who cut Fidel Castro from the team? where Fidel Castro would have been somebody who had been a baseball player. Instead, he went sent back to Cuba and became a dictator. That was a bad decision. How about the carpenter who went to the painter's house and did some work for the painter, and the painter couldn't afford to pay him, so he said, I have two options for you. Thank you for working on my house. I have a, a nice bottle of wine, or I have a... Painting that I had painted. Which would you like? He says, I'll take the bottle of wine. A few years later, that painting was worth millions and millions of dollars. How many know that was a bad decision? <laughs> How about Yahoo not buying Google for $1 million? How about Blockbuster not buying Netflix when they had the opportunity? How about the guy who sold the Coca Cola bottling company for $1 and didn't even get the dollar. We've all made bad decisions that we've learned to regret. But here's the question. Here's the decisions you need to make. Number one, are you willing to leave everything behind to follow Jesus? That's a right decision. It will cost you everything but it will lead you into everything. Ruth said to Naomi, in what we now look and see as one of the greatest statements of commitment ever made, I'm gonna follow you. I'm going with you. Because Ruth realized if she stayed where she was at, she was going to rot on the vine. She realized, that she could not ever come to the capacity that perhaps God could bring her to if she did not uproot herself and follow this lady who had introduced her to a sovereign God. She realized that her future lied with a different people that she didn't know, and wasn't familiar with their words and their talk and their language. How I many? when you walked into the body of Christ in the church at first, you're like, who are these people? They're all strange. And now you're one of us. <laughs> Come on. You walk in, people go, well, bless your heart, sweetheart. All oh, glory to God. The Lord is a redeemer and his righteousness lives forever. And you're like, what? <laughs> and now you say the same kind of things. But she realized that, that, that she stayed that her life would be empty. And if she stayed, she would become a shell of a person. So she decided to go down the road of the unknown because even the unknown road would be better than being here without a God that wasn't real. She had to make a decision. And she says, baby, I'm going with you. And, And here's what she said. It's one of the greatest, greatest lines of commitment you'll ever find. Chapter one, verse 11, Naomi said, listen, Naomi's telling, telling you need to go back home. I'm, I'm living, Jesus. no, I'm, no, you need to go back home. Would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? But yeah, I love this. But Ruth replied, I'm gonna go up there. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I'm going to stay. And your people will become my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I'm going to die. And there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. You want to talk about commitment? That's commitment right there. What does commitment look like? That's it right there. That's commitment right there. And every journey of commitment starts off scary because you don't know where it's going to take you. And you've never been there before. And you're unfamiliar with everything in front of you. But you got to take the step. And when you take the step of commitment, I'm telling you, everything begins to open up to you. But you cannot take that step until first you say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. Every bit of me, every talent, every skill, every thought, every word, everything I've known, everything on my future, I'm giving it all to you. When you totally surrender your life to the Lord, can I just- just tell you, you've made a right decision. Amen. Come on, can I give an amen this morning? You've made a right decision. You have to leave it all behind. And she was leaving it all behind. Jesus said to the disciples like this, he says, unless you're willing to pick up your cross and follow me, I, you have no part of me. You can't be my disciple. It all starts with surrender. Right decisions start with surrender. Number two, it starts decisions are made correctly when we remind ourselves that God is leading us every step of the way. Mm. Chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Here's what it looked like. Ruth and Naomi are Perhaps staying in someone's back shed or garage. Maybe they 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 hardly have anything left now, any money. There's no food in their cabinets, no food in the fridge. They don't know how they're going to survive. And Ruth says to Naomi, "I tell you what," because Naomi's she's so depressed right now. Ruth says, "Um." Maybe i 'll just go out and, and see if I can get some some barley and maybe some wheat and, and just maybe i'll just you, what do you think? And I can see Naomi with a Coke in her hand watching TV, yeah, yeah, whatever what, just whatever and, and so so Ruth doesn't know what she 's trying to make the best of of, of of a situation where you know Naomi's a little a little down. She's not right. And so she makes this decision. She says, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, enters a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. And here's where it gets good. The Bible says, and as it turned out, I, I love that. As it turned out, oh, my, it just so happened. Oh, and by the way, But nobody but God, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech, which was the husband of Naomi. Can I just say that you don't step into your future, but you stumble into your future. (laughs) Come on. I mean, we make up our mind. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And God goes, okay. And you stumble, and you, you 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 stumble into a blessing. You stumble into actually the sovereignty and the plan of God. You didn't intend to get there. You didn't know, you didn't have a plan to get there. Your GPS actually was taking you over there, but somehow you got here. You was told to go there, and somehow you got here. And you you accidentally just kind of got here. You just kind of accidentally showed up. You just kind of accidentally got that job. You just kind of accidentally met that man. You kind of accidentally went to that school. You just kind of accidentally. And no, it's not an accidentally. It's you stumble into the things of God as it turns out. As it turns out. Her stumblings were actually God's leadings. I'm encouraged by that because your mistakes many times are God's allowings. You beat yourself up for all these mistakes you did and all these things you did wrong and all blah, 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 but guess what? If you hadn't stumbled that way, you wouldn't have stumbled this way. Right here where you're at now, God put you right here on a purpose. This is a good word for somebody this morning. (laughs) Can I just say you may have stumbled in here today, but you really didn't. She was in the field of her dreams and didn't even know it. She was being led by God and had no clue. Psalms 37:23, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. All you got to do is delight yourself in the Lord. You may think you're stumbling, but you're right where you're supposed to be. Isn't that freeing to know that? Psalms 37, 23, in the In the King James says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So, Naomi says to Ruth, as Ruth comes in the door, hey, Naomi, bag of groceries. I'll be right back. Bag of groceries. Hold on. Walmart sacks. Hold on, hold on, and then it comes in some more, some more public sacks, and they was like, what? "Whose house did you rob?" <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't rob nobody's house. Where'd you get all this food? Um, I, I, uh, it's a field. Ah, uh, bo, boo is boo. Boaz, 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 Boaz. You were in Boaz's field? Yeah, it, was, it seemed nice. And he said, he said, just take this extra food home. You were in Boaz's field? Yeah, Boaz, Boaz. Of all the fields, how'd you end up in Boaz's field? I I, I just stumbled into it. She goes, you didn't stumble into that. That was, that, that, that's like the, one of my closest relatives. And, and he did this for you? Yeah, yeah, he did all this for me. I, 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 He asked me who I was, said something about Naomi. He's like, boom. I yeah, like, oh my goodness. Can I just tell you, can I just say to you this morning that, that, that God is leading your footsteps. He is guiding your path. <laughs> Everywhere you go, he's with you. Obviously, obviously, somebody's hungry in this house. We got a, we got break for lunch. So y'all, dude, I don't know if you heard it, but there was a loud noise. But see, 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 here's the deal. Naomi isn't. See, see, here's, I'm going to help you out this morning. See, depressed people, they're depressed. Here's why you're depressed. Why am I so depressed? I am so depressed. I can't get out of bed in the morning. I don't want to do nothing. I get, that's real. I understand that. But let me help you. Depression comes when you feel like you have no more purpose. Naomi's over here gorging herself in chips. (laughs) Yo, you want to go, 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 go get some food. It's over with anyway. We're going to die in a few days anyway. There's no life. I thought it'd be better here. It's not better here. Go ahead, go, go ahead, go. Whatever you think is best, whatever, whatever. She's so depressed she can't get out of the couch. She can't get out of bed. She just, she has no drive. She's like whatever, whatever. She, she you you know she was depressed because if she had not have been depressed she'd have been thinking well you know God's still got a plan for my future. I tell you what, um, and Ruth, uh, there's a guy named Boaz. He's a close friend of mine. He's a relative of ours. As a of fact, why don't you go over to his? Field? She didn't even do that because depressed people don't think about the future. Depressed people think it's all over with. It's just a matter of time before they're closing the casket on me anyway. Just go over and get it over with. Just go ahead and get it over. But but Ruth, uh, knowing that it wasn't over with, uh, being led by the Lord, stumbled into the blessing that the depressed person never even told her was about. Which leads us to number three. You have to stay where he leads you. I think that's all we have time for. Uh, uh, My keyboard friend, Amanda, Amanda, Stay where he leads you. Chapter two, verse eight. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. And don't go away from here. Stay here with the other ladies and work for me. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, chapter two, verse 22, that's good for you. Yeah, that field, that's, that's a good place for you. Go with the women who work for him because if you were in someone else's field, look at this, you might be harmed. I mean, other versions said other things. That's the cleanest I can say. You could be, very, you could be harmed. You're, you're a new girl in the block, a new girl in the country, a new girl, and people will take advantage of it. But if you go there, you'll be safe. Can I tell you that there is a thing called safety that you don't even know that you get when you walk into the house of the Lord? When you plug yourself into the house of God, you begin to get things called safety that you didn't even know you needed. that God's going to watch out for you, and you have people around who's going to help you watch out for them. And the key was commit yourself to the field. Ruth. Commit yourself to that field. Go to that. It wasn't by accident that you got to that field. It's not by accident. you, you got to stay in the field where you went. God's with you. God's going for you. And can I say this to you this morning? You didn't stumble into Summit Church. You didn't stumble into the kingdom of God. I believe for some, many of you here, you've stumbled into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. And God's saying, plant yourself in a field and allow me to do something beautiful in your life plant yourself just go ahead and commit to the field stay in it work the field as he sent you to it just go stand in the field and, that, you're, that I sent you to and look over the fence and go well I like that field over there well I like that field over there I don't know if I like this field anymore they don't even have a paid parking lot it takes me forever to get to the building I don't, know if I, I don't know if I like this field. I mean, the coffee wasn't that good and the music was different and the preacher's too loud. The jokes are dumb. I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like this field. I want to go try that field. And you get over in that field. Like my wife, said, my wife said, the only reason the field looks greener on the other side of the fence is because you're not watering your own. It's amazing how beautiful your field gets when you start working it. Yeah. Listen, we, I grew up on a farm. Our farm was, was an ugly farm. It, was a, even, it wasn't even a big farm. It was just an ugly farm. We raised pigs on the farm. It was a stinky farm, a smelly farm, a muddy farm. But to me, it was a beautiful farm. I loved our farm. I love getting in there and getting my hands all dirty and muddy. I love feeding the hogs. I love the smell. I can think I smell it even now. The, my wife will go down the road and she'll smell a skunk or something like that. And she go, oh, and I go, yes. <laughs> I'm oh. All these feelings and emotions of work and the farm and animals come rushing through my veins. I, I love the farm. Why? Because I work the farm. If you work the farm, the farm becomes a beautiful place. am I gonna find where I fit? I mean, you know, what, what am I gonna do? It's called like, it's called roll up your sleeves, jump into the journey room in that little classroom with all the windows as soon as we're done and say, sign me up, I'm here. Come on. I'm in my field. I'm in my Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> but thus saith the Lord. Every once in a while, he does that, just to let you know that some of the things I say are right. <laughs> so you can't go to your car anyway, so you might as well stay here. <laughs> go to the journey class. Thank you, Lord. It's in the journey class. We set up just for you. <laughs> a little bit longer, please. Work work with me, Father. It's in the the journey class that you learn our story and we learn your story. and We find each other's gifts and passions and we say, let's let's look at it like this. How can we work together and see God produce something beautiful in this, this region that we're in? Oh, my goodness. There's so much stuff in the book of Ruth. Today, I'm going to ask you a question. If you're here this morning, And you would say, pastor, that part about surrendering? Yeah, I haven't done that. So today's your day. Yeah, you know that part about surrendering and you stepped out from underneath God's blessing and out here in the wilderness? That's me. Here's the good news. Bethlehem's still waiting. Jesus is still waiting. He brought you here just so you could hear a message of an invitation to come back to my heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I asked this question. Do you want to know Jesus? Would you make him your Lord today? Would you surrender your life today? Would you surrender and give everything over to him? If you say, yes, sir, that's me. I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right where you're sitting. I want to pray for you. Say, yes, sir. Yes, yes. Come on. I'm going to invite Jesus into my life. Yes, yes. Inviting Jesus into my life. This is a full-time commitment, my friend. Total surrender. Total surrender. I want to pray with you. In fact, I would like like for you to pray this in your heart. Just to pray this in your heart, just as, as I pray this out loud. It's a prayer of surrender. Say this, Lord Jesus. I ask you into my life today. I surrender my heart to you. I give you my talents. I give you my time. I give you my skills. And I say, use me. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. And can we give God some thanks for the? Appreciate those that prayed that prayer this morning. Thank you. You may have prayed that prayer quietly, didn't raise your hand, it's okay. God takes commitment seriously, he hears your heart. For those who prayed that prayer, we have a table on the way out with some Bibles, free Bibles we're gonna give you, with some literature to help you in your journey. Take the little connect card that you have in front of you, fill it out and say, I accepted Jesus. And we're gonna stay in touch with you. And for everybody else in this room this morning, I believe God is asking us a question. Will you allow him to use your life? Will you commit to the field? Will you believe that you didn't stumble into something accidentally? God's hand is upon your life. He has a plan for you. I want to pray for you as well as our, as our prayer teams come forward. Just stay where you're at, but prayer teams come forward. Everyone, would you just bow your heads? Father God, right now, in Jesus' name. Well, I pray for these wonderful people that are here today. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you will touch their lives. And they will, Lord, understand that there is a field for them. There is a place of Bethlehem just for them. I pray, Lord God, that you will put inside of us a fresh new vision. Those that have been depressed and discouraged and downtrodden, I pray that you lift them up today. I pray that they will see that there's still purpose in their life. I pray today that they will come to the the realization that, Lord, their best days are ahead of them. That, Lord, you know what you're doing, and you're going to prepare a great path in front of them. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Hey, listen, stand to your feet. If you need prayer for anything, we have incredible prayer teams geared up to pray for you. We have communion over on the side. Love to have communion with you. We'll be here Wednesday night for a Bible study. Invite you to come. Turn to your neighbor and tell them God knows where you're at. Will you tell them that for me? Come on. God knows where you're at. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you.